It's good to have you here. I um, What my plan had been before, before I was able to secure Brother Schmidt to preach this morning, I was actually going to preach this message in the morning because to me it is so incredibly important. But I'm glad that Brother Schmidt was able to preach. That was a great message. We need the challenge for challenging days. But when I started preaching through the book of Colossians, this is the chapter I couldn't wait to get to. And I'll try my best to explain that why. There were a few thoughts that came to my mind. I had to add a little bit to uh, had to add a little bit to my notes. But really, it, it just to me, this is what encouraging each other is all about and watching for each other. I hope and pray that you see what I mean, but I would really, I, I, I would like for you to give your best attention to the Holy Spirit. By, by the way, you've noticed, um, you know, I didn't preach last Sunday morning. I didn't preach this morning. And I am not going to be preaching next Sunday morning. Brother Mike Kelly is going to be uh, giving a synopsis on uh, what he all what he went through there in India, and I am so very much looking forward to it. But it's been a joy to be able to read more. Been studying on the Holy Spirit, and you know it it, it grieves me a little bit in this that I believe there has been. I am guilty of not stressing the Spirit enough because, quite honestly, decades ago. We got afraid of the Holy Spirit because of the Pentecostal movement. I'll just say it right there. And so what wound up happening in churches, like independent fundamental Baptist churches, we wound up emphasizing standards. Standards do not take the place of the Holy Spirit. That's where it's at. So anyway, uh, I don't want to get into a, a conversation or a debate about that. I would much rather get into the word tonight. I'm going to enjoy this. I hope and pray that it is beneficial. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name and understanding that the Holy Spirit is here indeed as powerful as the triune God can be to help us see your word. Lord, I pray that we would absorb this. Give me wisdom But Lord, give us understanding in what we ought to hear tonight. Help, I pray, in this time. And we pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Now, we're not going to be starting here, but I'm going to go to the main text. Just going to go ahead and go to the main text. We're going to read the first 17 verses of Colossians chapter 3. And then there's a couple of other places we're going to go, and we're going to get back to that. But if you would go to Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. This is our text for tonight. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. 
set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, and the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Before we get into the meat of this, I I would like for you to go back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Now remember, we have spoken about this before, that before Christ ever preached, before he performed a miracle, he went up against the wicked one, and he taught us how to battle Satan's M.O. We went from, yea, hath God said, Two, it is written. After that, Christ is found at the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm cutting out a little bit, I understand that. But he starts to speak. The end of the chapter, end of uh, chapter seven, it says this, after he said all these things, 
And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having what? Authority. Let me ask you something. Does Christ have authority? Very much so. He is our authority. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, it's interesting. When you come behind this pulpit, the, the, the need is for whoever it is that is called to preach this word to get into the word so that the authority, not of the preacher, but of the Savior, can be heard again by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's not why we went to the end of Matthew 7. A familiar passage. Look, if you would, please, at verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not. Listen to that. Doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it what? Fell. And in fact, great was the fall of it. You know, At what price do we wind up minimizing the authority of Christ and we we think little of the things that he has sought to teach us? we, we We can't play a game of whistling in the dark. We all know people whose life building has collapsed. We encourage them. We we want to help one another. We do, seriously, we want to encourage each other. But if there's one thing that we need to do, we need to remind people that if your life is going to be built on the solid rock, you need to obey the authority. You need to obey Christ. And it's not just what is found in the Sermon on the Mount. That sermon reminds us that there is from cover to cover stuff, I don't want to use the word stuff. Things, no, word, that's a little bit cheap. No. There is a volume a huge volume of instruction that we need to heed. You know, um, people are getting a little nervous nowadays about what's going on in the world. And I don't know about you, but I've run across more than one article 
that is saying stuff like, uh, you know, folks, have you looked around and noticed that we're not as ready for war as we need to be? And have you noticed what those who hate us, what they have been doing? And oh, by the way, folks, people that we have touted as friends in the Middle East are now shaking hands with our enemies. America, more and more, is looking a little tenuous. And we get concerned about that, and we ought to, and you wish you could go to the powers that be and say, hey, you know, listen, we need, we need to whip things into shape a little bit. But they're too busy making our military, you know, woke incorporated. What to me is a greater sadness is when we consider not the, the military, but the army of God and how we're not ready to face the onslaught of the wicked one on high or, or, or in low places because we haven't obeyed. We're not listening. And because of that, some of us, to one degree or another, we're on shifting sand instead of the solid rock. You see what I mean? And, I, and I'm not here try, trying to, you know, put people down or, or what I'm trying to do is encourage us that, listen, right, today is the best day to, for instance, like listen to what Brother Schmidt was trying to preach to us this morning, trying to get us to see. And then tonight in this book, to hear what our Lord is saying. Look, when it comes to the spiritual warfare, I remember one particular situation that took several years to play out where you wind up getting, it's like, Lord, we didn't realize we needed your help. Those of you that were here back in 93, and, and you, you, you remember when I started to fly four times a year to Washington, D.C. I love those guys. We went four times a year, and we we knocked on doors. I met with senators. I met with congressmen. I met with a president. And here we are, you know, lobbying on religious issues and family issues and education issues. But out of the 16 men, out of the 16 men, that started flying back then, in 1993. Eight years later, six of them were out of the ministry. And I about was. The spiritual warfare is nothing to chuckle about. So when we look at this, what we're, we're going to be grasping by God's grace now, my heart aches. You know, let's encourage each other. Lord, help us to be ready. Help us to encourage and pray for one another. I love that, you know, singing as well. And the singing reminding us, hey, our God is good. Singing the scripture verses, all those kind of things. Go back now, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. To me, 
one of the greatest blessings would be if God's people walked out of this auditorium tonight with feet firmly planted on the solid rock. On the solid rock. Now, there's so much that in Christ changes. This is one of the things that we, we, we need to recognize and encourage other people. When you come face to face with Jesus Christ, you're never the same. Amen? When you get into the Word of God and you begin to recognize the Christ-centered exchange, which is the title I gave for the message tonight. It's not something that we do in the flesh. It is something that is accomplished by our God. But it is something that is vital. There are people that have made a profession of Christ. And they either don't realize they're not taught or they resist what is to take place in the life. If they resist it, if they're not told, they don't get into the word, the shifting sand. And they, they grow old without growing up. And it's a heartbreak. So first thing I want you to see is with Christ comes a change. Now remember, the Apostle Paul had a habit and he does the same thing here. He goes the first half of his letter from the doctrinal to the practical. And right on cue, chapter 3, verse 1, this is exactly what he does. If ye then be risen with Christ. What that, take, what that says is this. In view of the fact, in view of the fact you've been born again, you trusted Christ, in view of the fact, therefore, that you were raised with Christ. Paul is basing his exhortation not on a hypothetical, not on an unfulfilled hypothetical, but it is a fulfilled condition. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, say amen. If that is the case, then what needs to take place in your life and mine is what is about to be said. If ye then be risen with Christ, if this is the case, this is what you do. Set those things, seek those things, excuse me, which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. This is something that I fear we don't stress enough. There's a lot of things that the wicked one can get our eyes on down here. It can be political, it can be cultural, it can be economical, it can be so many things. We wind up uh, in the nasty now and now, we wind up dealing with everything from, from uh, dead batteries to flat tires to, um, you know, a dryer or a washer or a refrigerator that winds up, you know, deciding to break or there winds up being something that is going on with our house or in the job, whatever it, you know, whatever it might be, we wind up getting involved in that. 
and we wind up having our eyes taken off what's going on up there. Now listen, please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you completely ignore this world. I praise God. This is a beautiful world. I praise God for where we have been able, my wife and I have been able to go on vacation. Other people have been able to go on vacation. Hey, listen, if you don't come apart, you're going to come apart. But when it comes to the purpose of living, when it comes to the practical, this world is not our home. Seek those things which are above. Literally, the things above. Be constantly seeking. Now, what are we to be seeking above? Well, who's up there? Look at the next phrase. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. You see the word things, seek those things which are above? That's in the emphatic. In other words, Paul is saying, look, this is what you're supposed to have your eyes on. Not what's in the world. This is what you're supposed to have your eyes on. It's so easy, and I'm not putting this down because a purely capitalistic system recognizes the sinful nature of man. But in a capitalistic system, we can wind up focusing on things that, hey, now that I've worked hard, I can afford this. And so we do. Again, nothing wrong with what God supplies. But, uh, hey, guys, how many of you have ever purchased something that you were praying that God led you to? It usually has four wheels and a manual transmission. Been there, done that. Of course, none of you all have. Remember what Dave Bushy used to say? Because you all are visiting from heaven. He used to to say that. Seek those things which are above. Look at verse 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So direct your mind above. Hey, we're talking about inviting people to the uh, Garraway meetings. Why? Because we want to see people saved. When it comes to things above, I'm thinking about people that can join me above. I think about people that are waiting for me already, that are waiting for you. By the way, um, Sharon, did you see where Ruth Hamilton is now with the Lord? Oh, man. My mom was involved in a quartet called the Faithettes, these four ladies now the only one that's left is Jenny Gear. But there was, there was my Aunt Lawanda, there was Ruth Hamilton, there was my mom, and then there was Jenny Gear. She was the, she was the pianist. But I tell you, I remember listening to them saying, now three of the four are up there. You know, we look forward to seeing loved ones. Hey, Christ obviously is there. We're thinking about the time when we're going to stand before him at the Bema seat. So when we come, when it comes to setting our affection on things above, it's what we can send ahead, which by the way is accomplished by being faithful here. So set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. By the way, how many of you had a lot of money in the Silicon Valley Bank? 
You know, have you noticed there's a few people that are really mad about that? You know why? They set their affection on things on the earth. I'm so glad that the bank of heaven never is going to go belly up. Praise God for that. So direct your mind. When, when, when we get saved, when we were saved, we're changed. And in the change, our hearts are set, again, not here, but on the things which glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. By the way, can you work to the glory of God? Yes. You can dig a ditch to the glory of God, if that's what you're called to do right then. Our motivation, our motivation comes from above us, not around us. Look, you see this body? This body don't dig ditches like it used to. This body can't handle a 10-pound sledgehammer like it used to. Now, if I wanted to impress somebody around me, it'd be a little tough if they went ahead, put me on a job site, gave me, um, I, don't know, I don't know, you know, my finishing tools, you know, the bull float, the Fresno. All right, you're pouring concrete. Do the job. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. I moved here. You know, when we moved, when we moved to the house that we're at back in, it was 98, right? I poured this, I poured this concrete out here. I poured the concrete out front, but it had been a while since I did that. And a neighbor needed some concrete work to do. It's about two yards. It wasn't all that big. I said, Hey, I can do that for you. Don't, don't hire somebody. I'll do it for you. And so I did. Then I went to my house, laid down and died. I'm telling you, I mean, I, oh, I did not impress people around me. But you know what really matters is this. Our motivation is not by what mankind sees, is what God sees. And he knows when we're doing our best. He knows when we're giving him our all. So let's do this. With Christ, let's recognize this. With Christ comes a change there is a new heart direction, verses 1 and 2. But there's also a new deliverance. Look at verse 3. Here's why this can take place. For ye are what? Dead. For ye are dead. When Christ died on the cross and then we identified with Christ, we died with Christ. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. This year, when we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Let's remember, when Christ went to the cross, we did too. When we identified with him in salvation, we are set free, Romans 6, 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Can you imagine somebody walking up to a dead guy and going, 
Hey, want a beer? Want to smoke? Uh, want some drugs? I don't think that's going to work. You know, you can't hurt a dead person. You can go up and start cursing them all you want. Please don't do that. But, you know, somebody can walk up and do that. It's not going to hurt him. He's dead. He's gone. It's the same thing with us. We are dead. He that is dead is freed from sin. Thank you, Lord, for a new roof. Yeah. <laughs> so in thinking, in thinking this, let's look at a determination. Go back to verse 3. So you're dead. Now watch this. And your life is hid with Christ in God. One Greek commentator made this statement about this. Your new spiritual life is no longer in the sphere of the earthly and sensual, but it is with the life of the risen Christ who is unseen with God. We might not feel it. We didn't get a jolt out of the blue. But when we trusted Christ, we came alive. The old man is dead. We are now alive in Christ. Expositors said this, in God, and your life is in with Christ in God. In God asserts Christ's own union with God and emphasizes our union with God in him. As much as Christ himself is in union with the Father, we are as well. Now, see, this, this, this is the kind of thing where, you know, I, I like sitting down with a few people and going over that and going, isn't that something? I pray we can absorb this right now. I pray that it makes a difference in your life this week. And when we get into talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is here and energizes these things, it changes the life. And it's what is needed. That is the life that Satan finds very frustrating. Because he keeps pitching you the lies, and they bounce off. Because we're listening to he who has authority in our lives. Go back again to verse 3, excuse me, down to verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, again, emphasizing that. Now, by the way, remember, we're talking about Christ being the essence of our life. You know, he keeps our heart beating. But remember this. Mankind is a spirit with a body. Not a body with a spirit. We are a spirit with a body. The spirit died in sin. Christ brought it back to life. That is what we focus on. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, now stop 
Stop and think about that. Looking ahead, there is coming the time when all of this is going to be manifest. Right now, some of us have doctor's appointments. You know why? Because there are certain things that, that well, they just, they just don't work like they used to. Or they're starting to do a hiccup, you know? I, I, I'll, <laughs> Brother Dekeel, I see you sitting there. I, I was telling somebody about this, uh, I, and I forget where it was. It wasn't here in town. We were, we were gone. And, and I was telling about how, you know, here I am. The next morning, my chest is going to get opened up. You know, they're going to be doing funny stuff with my heart and all that. And it's like, oh, mercy, Lord, is this my last night here? And in comes this guy with a mask on. When somebody walks in and they got a mask on, A, it used to be you didn't trust them. But for some reason, I could tell behind that mask, the guy was smiling. And he had jello with him. <laughs> I'll never forget that. That's great. But you know what? I'd rather not be in a, bil- in a room like that anymore and have to have you come in with a mask on, jello smiling. I'd just as soon stay away from the hospital. And all God's people said, amen. So the point is this. There's coming a time when we're going to recognize, boy, this, look what Christ did. Oh, my soul. I'm in heaven. And by the way, that's not too far down the road. That is not too far down the road. I remember asking my sister three weeks before she died, What's it like? And now you talk to Pat Taylor. She's hoping that before this day is over, she's in glory. It's amazing. It's close, folks. It's close. Right now, let's just realize this. According to Ephesians 2, we are reigning with Christ. Now, verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Folks, one day we're going to be with him in glory. The child of God, the child of God is as sure of heaven as if he were there Right now. That is where we are. These are the things, as we're going to see, these are the things that energize us to do what the Apostle Paul is instructing the church at Colossae to do. These truths alone ought to get us motivated. I'm not going to take the time to have you turn to it. But in 1 John 3, there's a very familiar passage. Please listen to this. You know it well. But I want you to grasp what is said at the very end. 1 John 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love, literally what foreign kind of love, the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, and boy, is that becoming more and more plain, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. 
But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, amen? We'll see him as he is. But here's the point. Right now, on March 12, 2023, and I still can't believe we're writing that year, but right now, how does that affect us with what I just read? Listen to the next verse. Verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Do you realize what that is saying? The man or woman that is growing into the full realization of what was done for them and what they have in them, that person is taking what he is positionally and is growing it out practically. Catch it? Purifying himself even as he is pure. Are your sins forgiven? Amen? Question. Do we still sometimes have to battle the flesh? So listen. What he's saying here is this. What you are positionally, practically, if you have this hope, my soul, my focus is on glory. I'm already ruling with him up there. I am sitting in the high place with Christ. Oh, that's fantastic. He will purify himself. In other words, he's going to do what the apostle Paul is about to instruct. Why? Because this is Christian growth 101. This is the great Christ-like exchange. So, let's understand this. There is an exchange going on. But, please hold there with me. I don't think I'm going to get the whole thing done. And all of you breathe easier. With change comes a challenge. With change comes a challenge. Why? Because we get a hard head, and we've got a flesh that says, I don't care what you want, I want my way. Because that car, that truck is nice, I like that house, the money is great, I want to live in comfort, so, you know, we'll do our thing for God on Sunday, but the rest of the week is mine. No, look at verse 5. You know, this is one thing about the Bible. Every once in a while, you find battling and you find death. The Bible doesn't say reason, therefore, with your members. It doesn't say argue with them to the point that they give up. It says kill them. Now, you, you, you get your dictionary and you look up the word mortify. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Now, think of this. One of my first surgeries, when I, my first surgery when I got here, they had to take out my gallbladder. Oh, that was no fun. 
But you know, that thing needed to be taken out. When the sun comes out eventually in, uh, in this area, you know, and it starts warming up a little bit, I get to do a little bit of surgery in the front yard. There's weeds that are there. And more and more, my wife is not letting me use Roundup. The point is this. There are some things in the garden. There are some things in the front yard. There are some things in the body that sometimes they have to go. They have to be removed. That is what is being talked about here. Now, the Apostle Paul, he breaks this into two groups of sins. The first one is the sensual sins. And we can tell when the sensual sins are reigning like crazy. We can tell just watching our society, our culture today. Folks, it enrages me when I read about schools that are making students dress up as drag queens to put on a performance and not telling the parents. When somebody on a school board stops a father from reading a book and says, it's not suitable for you to read that here, when that book is made to be read by an elementary and junior high school student, and it's okay that they read it, according to the school board. That is wretched. No wonder the Apostle Paul goes through this. So, fornication, sexual impurity of any kind, uncleanness, a life of impurity, inordinate affection, depraved passions, evil concupiscence, a lust for sinning, covetousness, the sin of always wanting more. Look at verse 6. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. He's saying, listen, you t- remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Hey, this is why God rains down judgment on mankind. And by the way, America has it coming soon. It breaks my heart to say it, but it's going to come. Verse 7, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived. It was your lifestyle. Some of you were up to here in it before you were in Christ. But now you take those desires and you kill them, you mortify them. Look at verse 8. Now we have the social sins. But now ye also put off all these. Anger, sudden outburst. Wrath, referencing God's judgments on sin. When you do that, you're playing God. That's not your role. Malice, ill will toward another. Blasphemy, speech which slanders another, either God or man. Filthy communication, which is foul speech. Coarse humor, obscene gestures. Lying, anything less than the truth itself. And instead, what you do is you commit to the change. Look at verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, can we do this? Yes. Do we have illustrations of this in the time past? Yes. Remember Joseph? Remember that? 
and um, Potiphar's wife. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I'm 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 looking at my and my secretary. She's supposed to have these notes with her. She's looking at me like, why are you looking at me like this? But instead, what we do, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. By the way, that's why it doesn't matter who it is that walks into this building. If they want truth, they deserve it. If they want fellowship, if they're in the body of Christ, they get it. Amen? It doesn't matter. Doesn't it break your heart when you hear the world out there? They're tossing this thing about racism and thisism, thatism. The answer is Christ. It's Christ. The new life. The new life is the answer to the challenge. I can finish this up. Give me just a few more minutes. The new life is the answer to the challenge. New life, verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, to put on as a garment, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Now, now catch this as we're going through this list. Do you realize this kind of life is what is needed to show the world how Christ makes a difference. This is, this is what's needed. This is why we put those things off, because there needs to be room for the Holy Spirit work to put on Christ. Think of it, to envelop, to clothe with. Thayer said this about this phrase, put on, to become so possessed of the mind of Christ as in thought, feeling, and action to resemble him and, as it were, reproduce the life he lived. That's what the word originally meant, a Christian. You are a follower of Christ. You are a Christian. That's what we ought to be. Holy, set apart for God. Bowels, again, going back to Thayer, good to look up. And the Greek poets, the bowels were regarded as the seat of violent passions, such as anger and love. But the Hebrews, it was the seat of the tender affections especially kindness, benevolence, compassion. So hence, our heart. That's what it means. Mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, to have a humble opinion of oneself, a deep sense of one's moral littleness or modesty, meekness, long-suffering. So, First of all, we find this in the answer to the challenge. There's new life, but then there's also new love. Look at verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. 
If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Um, can I encourage you in the strongest way? Forgive one another. You know why we need to do that? Because in any size group, if you've got two or more people together, something's going to happen. Brother A is going to disagree with Brother B. Brother C is going to take note and tell Brother D. And next thing you know, we have something going on. Now, do I have something in mind right now? No, I don't. But I don't want to have something in mind. Folks, Faith Baptist needs to be known as people who love each other. Just like any other church that bears the name of Christ, I'm tired of hearing about churches that have sown the seeds of wickedness and the world laughs and mocks our God. That laughs at and mocks our God. But also with the forgiving, admonishing, encouraging one another. Am I making my point? Let's put it this way. Is Christ making his point? I hope and pray, I hope and pray so. Look at verse 14. And above all these things, put on charity, literally agape love, the love that God has, which is the bond of perfectness, completeness, full growth, maturity. Look at verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. By the way, the rule, the word rule there, let the peace of God rule, it literally means to umpire. You know what I'm glad for? God knows how to umpire. This last week, I guess, in a college game or some game, I can't remember, I, I don't think it was professional, um, but an umpire got upset with a batter and called a pitch that was way, way off the base, called it a strike. And that team came unglued to the point that the opposing catcher had to, he had to hold the guy away from the umpire. Now, they fired the umpire, and he, he deserved that. But you know, your God and mine is never going to get upset with us and go, oh yeah, that's how you're going to do that? Watch this. That's not what our God does. That's not what he does. Let's not do it to each other. And be ye thankful. There's also on this, in closing, a new law, if I can call, call it that, a new law for living. It's no longer the flesh. It's the will and word and work of God. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ 
dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know, Roger, maybe what we need to do sometime is take a few songs and talk about how they were written and the verses that they were based, or the verse, the passage, whatever they were based on, and how they encourage. I mean, we can, we can think of songs. I mean, there's probably a few that are popping into your mind right now or maybe into you. Know, into you. I mean, I love, you know, a mighty fortress is our God. I don't know why, I just love that song. But there's others, trust and obey. There's so many more stuff that we sang tonight. This is what we do to encourage, admonish, teach one another. The word admonish there has the idea to instruct and warn of evil. We can sing a song that pleasantly encourages the people around us to stay away from wickedness. We can do it. We can do it. And instead, you can have a heart of praise. This is the attitude that we ought to have. Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So however, letting the word admonish us, doing it with singing, doing it with preaching, doing it with praying, doing it with studying, whatever it might be, let's make sure it gets done. Verse 17, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, Hearkening back to his attitude at the very beginning, looking to heaven, whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, we can read that and think, oh my, that's a tall order. Yeah, but we have a big God. Amen? To me, this, this chapter is one of those things that is just written in gold. There's other passages like it. But here in the book of Colossians, I love it. We have dealt with in the first two chapters what the Gnostics were trying to do to our brethren there at Colossae. But now that Paul has gotten done with his admonition regarding that, he now gets on the practical and he says, hey, there's a life to live. Let's live it. And by the way, it's done in the power of Christ. Let's pray.